It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, November 2nd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that honestly did not expect that one nothing OT game last night. No, that was a, a surprise in a way. We will get into it on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with the brilliant Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. That's where you'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com and send in your mailbag questions. We're going to get to a few of those today. In addition to talking about that one nothing game last night, Plus, we've got a special preview of the second half of the back-to-back against the Toronto Maple Leafs with special guest Mike Augello. Then we'll get to those questions at the end. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Odyssey. Wherever you are listening right now, hit that subscribe button and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube, so subscribe and watch over there as well. Russ, I don't know, man. That that was such a weird game for the Flyers, I think, and for the Rangers, too, to some degree, because based on possession alone, oh my God. the Flyers should have, should have been absolutely destroyed by yeah. the Rangers in that one. Well, the four posts, I mean, you know, posts mm-hmm. are a, a goalie's best friend, but you know, if you can't put it in, you can't put it in. But yeah, there were there was times we talked about this that they were gonna have to um, really try and get the puck from him because you saw Panarin could go wide and it didn't matter. He's still gonna make his passes. So you know, Carter Hart was really not only the difference; he was the game. Like he he was everything for them. This is why I told you I didn't think Felix Sandstrom was up for the task uh, to play this kind of game at the Garden because I think it would have been bad for him. Yeah, it's interesting. The whole time I kept thinking this Flyers team is actually for good or for bad is playing as a team. There was nobody that really stood out at all in the entirety of this game to me in a good way or a bad way. Mm -hmm. They were just doing the best they could in this situation. And the Rangers are just clearly a better team. Hence the possession difference. Yeah, it was one of those things where at times it looked like extended power plays and guys were out on the ice too long. And, you know, if I was going to pick out a worse player for the Flyers, it might have been D'Angelo, though, because he um, he was a little shaky out there. With He he had the um, over the glass. He also uh, I just felt like wasn't uh, oh the icing in, in overtime. That's bad, too. You can't have an icing in overtime when you have the puck. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, he also lost the puck once in overtime in the flyer zone trying yeah. to get it out, and that was not good either. Yeah, they were booing him real oh, hard yeah. Yeah, yeah. in they that one. The, they gave him the business. They did. It was brutal. But, uh, yeah, I really think, you know, he had a shaky game because of that, perhaps. But he's really the only one that was devastating. Yeah, that's I think, it. In any way. I look at, you know, 
Um, Travis Konechny, for the most part, was playing pretty spirited. And Hayes, I think, played better with the uh, other aspects of his game. And, you know, he had some good scoring chances, too. So I felt like those two were um, were doing well. I think every a lot of the other players got neutralized. I would say um, the thing that's frustrating for me to watch is just Owen Tippett missing the net on the power play. Like, how many times is he going to miss the net? Yeah, and going back to Travis Konechny, I think you're right that he had a, a good game overall. I think he was working really hard and, and putting in a lot of effort and trying to work his way to the net a lot. I think I just disagree with his decision in overtime to take the kind of shot that he did. Because yeah. when it when it's three on three, if you're going to take a hard shot like that, you best get it on net or hit the goalie at the very least, because if you go wide, that puck is going to ricochet real hard. And you know what these Rangers, they've been doing it all game. First off, getting rushes yeah. in the other direction from yeah. Flyers mistakes. Rangers were just going to pick up that puck and go. And, and that's what happened. And Chris Kreider got the game winning goal. And so to me, in that circumstance, you take a slightly different kind of shot or you just take your time a little bit more to make sure it's accurate. It would have been better to do that. I, I think what 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 happened there was I think um, when you play a game at the speed that and tempo that the Flyers had to play at, which again, they're not used to, uh, I think but that's like an unforced error. You know what I mean? Like that's I think Konechny was slightly exhausted in this game at times. We saw him on the bench uh, a few times, looked pretty tired. I just think that's, a, you know, a function of uh, just how much he's putting on his shoulders and trying to, you know, make something happen. I think that's really what that came out of from came out from. Again, for the most part, it was a team game and, you know, they had some good portions in the first period where they were able to limit the Rangers shots pretty effectively. But then in that second period, it was just ugly. The shot attempts were 33 to 8 Rangers in the second yeah. period. Yeah, and I, I, I'll i tell you, I think John Tortorella got mad, and I think the Rangers surprised the Flyers with their forecheck. Like, I told you that Gallant's had them probably over forechecking and maybe taking out a little of their offense. So I think they've kind of figured it out in this game to sort of balance that, to get more scoring chances. But, you know, they a couple times they put the uh, Flyers on the seam of their pants. And I think that uh, so probably surprised the Flyers. They're like the first team to do that this year. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a, a really good point. And, you know, when a team like the Rangers just turns on the Jets or switches things up a little bit and Torts has been emphasizing a really simple game for the Flyers, you just can't. There's nowhere to go because you don't have anything beyond your simple game to fall back on right and and to be honest this is probably one where uh someone like zamula in there instead of maybe a sealer could have helped because with the puck moving like this is you kind of when you play a team like the rangers you kind of have to have all hands on deck with guys being able to get the puck out of the zone and get it out safely and not just get it out to you know have it clear and, and basically get an icing and I, you know, because I don't think Nick Sealer did much in this game at all. And so, and I don't care which side Justin Braun plays. He, he's proven he could play either side. I, I just feel like they could have used another puck mover in that game. And it would have helped. It would have helped their cause. Yeah, I think so, too. I think about Tanner Luzinski as well. Yeah. 
in this circumstance. But, uh, you know, I, I just really, I want to take away the good that they did get a point against the New York Rangers, which is a good thing. And so I don't want to minimize that at all. And I don't want to minimize the fact that Carter Hart played another spectacular game. And I, I think for me, I was calm the whole game. And I don't know if it's the, you know, buildup of all of the games that Carter Hart has played so far this season that I just had absolute faith that he was going to make the key stops as long as he wasn't horribly screened in this one. It just felt like he was like real on top of things. Yeah, he was. I mean, he, he was catching all the little details. If Shesterkin made a great save, he made a great save. It was, it, it was really the best goaltending game I'd seen this year to, you know, to date. And it was exciting in that regard. Uh, the one thing that I could tell you that, um, Garden fans like is they like good goaltending, and you could hear them chanting to Sturkin, but mm-hmm. they just they like that kind of game. They've been used to that from you know Lundqvist and stuff. So you know the excitement level was there. I mean, you got to remember what are we ten games into the season? That was a pretty exciting game. It, it definitely was, and even though the Flyers got shut out, it just didn't feel like a shutout, right? Just because the Rangers weren't scoring either. So, but they are going to see that the problem with this game is. Uh, they expended a lot of energy. So now you're going to have to go and play the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who's going to be in net? You know, they've lost two in a row, even though they're getting points out of it. This is where things start to get tricky, I think. Well, that is an excellent transition, Russ. We are going to be talking about that game against the Toronto Maple Leafs after we hear about Bilt Bar. We've been talking about Bilt Bar on the podcast since the beginning, but I really think they've outdone themselves this time. They've reimagined a whole bunch of flavors, and they're absolutely outstanding. We've got cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. Plus, they've added white chocolate peppermint granola. I really like peppermint. That's Bilt's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie puffs. Built Puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't really tried a Built Bar before, they're literally the best-tasting protein bars ever built. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know them. With 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and a shockingly low sugar and only 130 calories. You're probably wondering which new flavor is my favorite. An unanswerable question to say the least. They're all unbelievable, and they're different, so you could order a mixed box and try all five flavors yourself. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 at Built.com. Check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Flyers will be facing the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, and we have with us from Hockey Buzz covering those very Toronto Maple Leafs, Mike Agello. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure. So the Leafs have had a little bit of turmoil 
recently and have been on a bit of a, a losing streak uh, four games heading into tonight's game. What do you think is the main thing that accounts for that? Um, just dysfunction, injuries. Uh, I mean, it ha- last year the, the Leafs started off really badly in October. They seem to be allergic to October. So there's a hope that no, when November, the calendar clicks over to November, they'll, they'll find themselves. But last year they struggled. They were 2-4-1 and one, uh, and before they sort of righted the ship. And this year they're 4-4-2 four, four, and two in October. The highlight or low light from the Leaf point of view was the uh, five-game Western road swing. They started off on a good note, winning 4-1 to one in Winnipeg. Then had a tough game in Vegas, but the three games in California against three average or below average teams, really, they struggled scoring. Their defense was, you know, riddled with giveaways. Goaltending was average, but they're just, they're not generating the the type of offense that they've had to cover up some of their defensive inadequacies. They only scored 13 goals on this five-game Western road swing, and they went one, two, and two. And against competition like San Jose and Anaheim, they needed to get two points, and they just were not playing well enough to to get those victories. Mike, Austin Matthews right now is on pace to actually have more shots than he's ever had in his career in one season, uh, but only on pace for about half the goals. Right now, why is he on such a slow pace? Really, he's pressing. I mean, he's he only started. He only had one goal going into the road trip. Scored um, a couple nice goals, but he seemed to be snake bit. Uh, I do think that some teams are, you know, sort of crafting their defense to sort of neutralize him, especially on a power play. I've seen teams sort of lean towards him and prevent him from shooting the puck, and he's had to defer to guys like Marner or uh, Nylander. Um, I think he's going to break through because this is, again, the same thing that happened last year. He, I think he had one goal in October, and then he ended up with 60 on the season. So, you know, again, maybe the calendar flips, and all of a sudden he, he finds, finds you know, the, the range. But right now he seems to be, you know, there's been opportunities that he should have scored, and he's just missing the net. Things are just a little off. So he's a pure goal scorer. He'll find his way. I wonder if it's the same for Mitch Marner. He's been getting quite a bit of attention or blame for some of the the Leafs' bad run right now. And there's even trade rumors starting to surface mm-hmm. about him. Like, Do you think that's even possible, or is he going to turn things around as well? I don't think a trade is possible because he has an almost $11 million salary. So uh, that would be a, a mega deal. And I find it hard to believe that Kyle Dubas – who has really backed this core four group of Marner, Nylander, Matthews, and Tavares will ever trade any one of them. If they ever get traded, it'll be when, if Dubas is no longer the general manager. But, um, you know, Marner has not played up to expectations. Last year he had 97 points. He was as much responsible for Austin Matthews' 60 goals as Matthews was because he's a he's a penultimate uh, playmaker. He was a first-team NHL right winger. Um, but early in the season, he I think he's pressing. He's trying to make offensive plays, uh, especially against Anaheim. Um, he made two bad giveaways that resulted in Anaheim goals. And the whole thing right now that's been – put to the forefront is, you know, he was singled out by, by Sheldon Keefe in a TV timeout. He went down the hallway, broke his stick. Then he was benched and, you know, uh, vented a little bit. And 
I mean, there's always going to be, it's never always going to be, you know, roses and, and candy with a coach. It's and, not always sunny in Toronto, right? Is that right. what you're going to say? That's the <laughs> Canadian version of the show. Yeah. So, but do I think that the, this is going to escalate to the point that Keith is going to get fired or Marner is going to get traded? No, this is a hiccup. And if they start winning games and everything will be fine, but right now they're, they're struggling and the, the tensions are high in Toronto and the focus is on the players who are not playing well. Mike, right now the, um, the Leafs are at a penalty minute differential of zero. And usually they're a team that can draw penalties. As an example, um, Colorado is like a plus 10. Chicago is a plus 42. So that's probably a big reason why they're doing well right now because they're getting so many penalties as to what they're giving up. What is the um, – you would think guys like Matthews and Marner and Nylander, they should all be able to draw penalties, and especially in the offensive zone. Why isn't that happening as often? Well, the weird thing is that Matthews, even in spite of the fact that he scored 60 goals last year, I think he only drew like seven minors. It was like hmm. ridiculous. He could not draw penalties. The guy who drew the most penalties last year was Michael Bunting. Michael Bunting is a – he's a pain-in-the-ass type of player, and he 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 – garners that kind of attention going back so um he hasn't done that as much this year and actually Matthews has been able to draw penalties but it's tough to draw penalties when you don't don't go to the dangerous areas they're mm -hmm. a they're a right. peripheral team and you know they now they take bad penalties sometimes and then I guess that evens out the ones that they actually do draw but you know the very few times do they go to the net do they go to the areas where there would be confrontation and I think that 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 equals out when it comes to uh, them uh, their their net penalty against or for so the other big rumor going around is potentially Sheldon Keith getting the ax mm -hmm. and uh, i'm wondering what you think about that and again if it's just tied to this rough start and they'll give him at least through november to turn things around but uh, what's your take on all of that well the keith rumors started last year when they struggled early in, in the in the year so this is just the latest episode of the sheldon keith firing uh, sweepstakes i guess what i call it um again i i find it hard to believe i believe from what I've experienced, what I've observed covering the, this team for over 10 years and what I've been told by other colleagues that Sheldon Keefe is not getting fired and that if he does get fired, it'll be along with Kyle Dubas, that they're sort of attached at the hip. I don't think that Dubas has another bullet in the chamber of his gun to fire a coach and bring another coach in. He's in the last year of his contract Keith has got another year on his deal um, that he signed last year. So I, I, unless they lose 20 games in a row, I don't see a coaching change. I think there'll be a trade and some roster uh, changes before uh, any kind of firing happens. But I think that they're going to stay with what they, what they have right now. Uh, I think they're, you know, waiting for the waters to calm and hopefully turn things around. I mean, the injury to Jake Muzzin has really hurt their defense. Um, Definitely. They weren't particularly deep, and he was the most physical of their defensemen. He was a leader in the locker room. It doesn't sound optimistic about, you know, how long he's going to be out. He was switched from IR to LTIR, and now we really don't know if he's even going to come back. So that's where, you know, Dubas may have to make some changes. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that the, the, the you know, even if they have a, 
a long streak. If they fall out of the playoffs, what then, if they're not? What if they're not in the playoff hunt by American Thanksgiving? I think that's too early. I think it would have to be probably closer to the All Star break. If they're after forty games, interesting. Yeah, if they're for, after forty games, if they're like ten points out of a playoff spot, then everybody's in danger. But if American Thanksgiving, they're five six points out of it. They're talented enough to catch up. So I don't. I don't think that uh, you know his head is on the chopping block. Um, other reporters are saying the same thing, so I'm comfortable in, in, in saying that that that's the case. So you mentioned the goaltending before. Mm-hmm. Matt Murray aside, because we don't have enough time to talk about Matt Murray. Right. Um, it would be like an hour long debate, Rachel. So we're going <laughs> to leave that one at, at the side of the road. But with their current goaltending, which isn't doing great in my estimation. What do you think about it right now? And who do you think would, is, you know, is going to go against the Flyers? Well, it's going to be Ilya Samsonov. They had to play Shalgren, Eric Shalgren, who played around a dozen games last year when Jack Campbell was hurt and Peter Morazic was hurt. Um, he's not a particularly great goaltender, but he, I think he's an adequate backup. And a good number three, you know, somebody with international experience, somebody with some NHL experience. Uh, they had to call him up after one game because Matt Murray got hurt in a uh, in a pregame skate in a morning skate. Uh, and he's supposed to be out for over a month. Um, Samsonov was supposed to play. They played three games in four nights in California. He was supposed to play San Jose and Anaheim or San Jose and L.A. And Shogun was supposed to play against Anaheim. And instead, Shogun played the first game and then played. Uh, against Anaheim and lost both games in overtime. I don't really hold him responsible for either of the losses. I actually think Samsonov has played fairly well. A 920 save percentage, 2.35 goals against his 4-2 and two record. He hasn't been the reason why they've lost games. They're not scoring, and they're not playing particularly well defensively. So, um, you know, I, I'd be the first guy to call out the goal, you know, Samsonov if he doesn't play well, but – I don't think it's on him, um, and I, I think that right now they're sort of treading water when it comes to their goaltending until Murray does come back. You know, in a perfect world, it's probably going to be in the middle of the month. I think they're they gave him a month basically to make sure that this groin issue is not going to come back. I think they learned their lesson from last year when Peter Morazic got hurt in his first start. They kept him out two weeks. He came back, hurt the groin again, and then he was out for six weeks. They can't. With the division being as tight as it's going to be, they need Murray and Samsonov splitting duty. So they want to make sure that Murray is back 100%. So, you know, when he does come back in the middle of the month, uh, hopefully it'll be at full speed. So is there any one thing that you would recommend to the Flyers that they do in this game to be successful against the Leafs? Well, as has been the case with the Flyers early this season, they're you know, the workmanlike effort has been exemplary. I mean, you don't expect, you expect that from a John Tortorella team. He's going to hold your feet to the fire. And if you don't work your ass off, uh, you're not going to play. And against the Leafs recently, Arizona, Montreal, San Jose, Anaheim, these four teams that they've lost to that are at the bottom of the NHL standings, or at least everybody expected them to be. The reason that they won is because they outworked the Leafs. Um, The Leafs right now, are expecting to win on talent and they have, you know, probably higher level talent. Like I'd say the top six or seven teams in the league, 
but you can outwork them. And you can also, you know, if you get them down, they get frustrated and then that's, then you have them where you want them. So I think that the flyers are going to basically have to do what they've done all year and outwork them. And if they outwork them, then they have a good chance of winning, especially with the Toronto crowd ready to boo and get on their, on their case at the first sign of trouble coming off that disastrous five game road trip. If Philadelphia gets up one or two, nothing it, you know, the waffles will be thrown on the ice. Like it, like happened in the past. Mike, last question. Um, If you uh, had the power of choosing a new goal song for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. What song would you choose? Anything but that friggin' "You Make My Dreams Come True." It's a disaster. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the whole fact that Hall and Oates are from Philadelphia. From Philadelphia, yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. That's been their goal song for I think four years. Everybody was praying that they were going to change the goal song. I was at the at the home opener. You know, they they played that song through the preseason. And I can't, John, I think it was John Tavares scored the opening goal and you hear, dun, 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 and everybody in the press box just went, oh, <laughs> torture. So yeah, please, anything, anything, even, even something from Taylor Swift, which, you okay. know, there you go. Anything. Taylor Swift is wonderful. So that would probably be a good change. Yeah. All right, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you out there? Uh, I'm, you check me out at, uh, hockeybuzz.com and I do some freelance work for full press hockey. And, uh, I do a couple podcasts with some guy named Russ. I, I you know, he's, he's not bad. He's, he's all right. He's okay. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Thank you very much. All right. Coming up next, a few of your mailbag questions. Russ, we have a couple of really good ones this time. Uh, we got an email from C-Mac, and he really needs help understanding what Torts is doing with Wade Allison. Uh, he's got really good underlying numbers, but horrendous usage. Uh, does he need to do more? Like, what is going on here with Wade Allison? According to the coach, he needs to do more defensively. And he needs to not be in a position where he's going to be turning over the puck, which I don't think he's been doing too much of that, but he has to be quicker. And it's like, you know, saying you have to be quicker and maybe illustrating, and maybe they're doing that um, in video, but he's not saying they are uh, illustrating to the player where they need to be quicker and how they need to be quicker would be a good thing. Uh, Allison at 10:52 tonight, and he had uh, just one shot on goal, no turnovers, nothing. You know, he did have a penalty. It's really hard for him to get anything going at 10.52. He's kind of like a guy that builds momentum as the game goes on. And honestly, I don't know how many flyers get to the greasy areas. He's one of them. And to limit his ice time makes no sense in my mind. So I'm with C-Mac on this. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. And I think you're actually really honed in there on your point about a guy that builds momentum over the course of a game. You can see that. And uh, I watched him play a bunch of Phantoms games and games in college. And you could just see he would get faster mm -hmm. and more confident as games went on. And I, I think that he just needs more ice time, like at least 
bump him up a line and and see what he can do. That, that's what they should do. Susan over on YouTube had an interesting question just about hockey in general. And you know, when somebody describes somebody as seeing the ice, do they mean anticipating the play of the opposing team and knowing where your teammates are? It's 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 that, but it's also like seeing the ice, seeing the um the areas of the ice that are open if you have the puck and and you're in the offensive zone where are you going to pass it to next? Some guys see the ice so well, like, you know, we saw in tonight's game, like Adam Fox, that he looks like he's barely moving and he's ridiculously calm, but he can break down things quickly and he sees the ice so well that he knows where to go with the puck and he rarely makes a mistake. So that's, you know, it's, it's, it's that hockey IQ thing. And some guys see the ice better. They see uh, more areas, more uh, plays being made. If you ever go and watch on like YouTube, and Wayne Gretzky shows how he used to do that on television as a kid and kind of look where the puck was going and he kind of knew where it was going to be. You know, that's a part of it, too. Yeah. And, you know, it really is the combination of those things. It's being able to understand the flow of the game so well that you know where the open ice is going to be and where you can pick your spots. Our last question for today comes from Josh via email. Uh, should the Flyers break up that top line to spread the minutes out a little more? They can't. It's it's the only one that could really match up against another team's top line. And I feel like if they break that up, then they're going to have even less impact. So I wouldn't suggest doing it now. If Cam Atkinson comes has to be somebody of that caliber. Otherwise, there's no reason to do it. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think that in theory, I would want to because I want to get guys like Wade Allison some more ice time and put some different combinations together. But when you have elite lines across the league, you have to have somebody who can match you do. up against them. You do. So uh, I, I think you're right there. All right, we are going to wrap things up with our Flyers fun thing. And uh, as we know, we've been talking about it a little bit on this show, but the World Series is going on and the Flyers rode the train up to Manhattan for the game against the Rangers, as they always do. A lot of people are surprised by that, that the teams take a train, but it's honestly the the best way to go. It's the best way. Why would you deal with traffic with a bus? Yeah, it and it's too short sense. for a plane, and it's it's just a mess. We've that's seen the one thing that's nice. Stuck on buses, so. right? And that's the one thing that's nice about MSG. It literally lets you out right there. You stay across the street from MSG. Mm-hmm. The hotel is right there. Like it's a great setup. Yeah, but uh, they they made the trip in Flyers jerseys. I mean, in Phillies jerseys. <laughs> sorry, and uh, so that was really nice. I like that. I like that. A whole group of guys just showing up in Phillies jerseys to Penn Station in New York yeah. will go. But that's over good. Well. You know, you 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 make it. Yeah. You're, you're a sight. It's something to see. I only saw. I didn't see any of the powder blue. Somebody should have bought one of the powder blue ones. I'm always partial to that. Yeah, I hope we see those in one of the games in the World Series. Love them. They're talking about it. Well, that will do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow with a recap of the game against the Leafs, and we'll do a prospect profile on Mason Millman, a defenseman. 
As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.